Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, I'm so thankful that you're worshiping with us today. And if you are a first time, I'll just say again, thanks so much for joining us. I want to uh, share with you this morning a resurrection message that's about four words, which is encouraging when I hear a preacher say it's only four words, because I've got half a chance to remember four words. Gets more than that, I'm kind of hopeless. But today's four words I want you to remember is these four words, just as he said. I want us to practice together. We're going to have to say a couple phrases today. Here's the first one. Let's practice saying those four words together. And Mark gets set, go. Just as he said. I hope for the coming weeks when someone asks you, so what did, the, what did the pastor talk about on Easter? He talked about what, just what he said. But to help you connect to that statement better, I want to introduce you to another statement. There's a statement I want you to say in just a moment that I'm just going to warn you, only say it if you dare. But I will also tell you the next statement I'm going to ask you to say, it will give you the best feeling of perhaps any feeling you've ever heard. The next four words I'm going to tell you, I mean, it's just so encouraging. Dangerous, but encouraging. The next four words I'm going to introduce you to are these four words. I told you so. How many like to hear those words? I told you so. How many like to say those words? All right, so here's, if you dare, turn to your neighbor, and if you want to add your own attitude to it, a little bit of your personality flair to it, turn to the person next to you, only if you know them, and say with me on Marcus Sec, I told you so. Some of you enjoyed that way too much. Others of you, I could see like two decades of marriage working there that you weren't going to dare say that. I just wonder how many people this morning walked in the door and said, I told you it started at 10 (laughs) o'clock. You know, or I told you to turn left instead of right. I told you not to buy that for her. I told you I was right. Somebody tells me sometimes, I told you not to eat that. I told you that wouldn't work. I told you that was going to happen. I told you those shoes did not match. We've all heard someone say, I told you so. Well, for clarity, let me tell you, this might help you. Jesus never used the words, I told you so, though he could have, right? I mean, he could have said, Peter, I told you. You deny me three times before the sun comes up. He could have said, I told you, if you throw that net on the other side of the boat, you would catch a great number of fish. I told you, if you go, if you just go into town, you'll find a colt tied up. I know it sounds strange, but if if you'll just listen, it's going to be just like I told you. Can I tell you that Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, is the greatest I told you so moment that God has ever made to the church of Jesus Christ. If he said it, you can take it to the bank. It's going to be just like he said. And that's saying a lot because Jesus said a lot of difficult, bold stuff. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Jesus said, as Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days. But how many, he, he was declaring that I'm coming out. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up again. Jesus said, just as, just as a serpent was lifted up in the wilderness to give freedom to those who were sick, so the Son of Man will be lifted up in the earth, and all who look to him will find life and life everlasting. Jesus was the one that said, listen, I want you to know that I have power to heal and the power to forgive. And so just so you know, it is what I'm saying. He told a person with a withered arm, stretch forth your hand, and he was healed so people would know it's going to be just like I said. There was a thief on a cross and Jesus said these challenging words. Today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And do you understand that when Jesus rose from the grave, he was providing evidence that every word he said was true. That if Jesus said, today, you're going to be in paradise with me when Jesus rose from the dead, that is evidence that that day, that thief on the cross, we don't know what all he did, but we know where he wound up. He wound up in the presence of God because he called out to Jesus. And the same thing can happen to me, it can happen for you. So this morning, I want us to look at our text where we find these four powerful words. Just as he said, and when we get to this point of the text, I want to ask you to say those four words out loud with me. Matthew 28 says, After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Let's go. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Father, I love you today, and I'm thankful that there is resurrection power. And it's not reserved for pastors or preachers. It's not reserved for just a few. It's available to everyone who would call upon your name. And I pray that today we would leave with the reality that our lives can be more than just what they look like, what other people have said they will be like, more than what our own minds trick us into believing at times. Lord, our lives can be like you said. So I pray today you'll help me above what I can do. Anoint me above my own ability to speak the words of God, the words of God alone. Anoint each of our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear and most importantly respond to what the Spirit of God would say to us this morning. And we'll give you thanks. Everybody in the room said amen. amen. Verse 6 holds the title of our message today, Just As He Said. You know what the resurrection did? The resurrection removed all doubt about who Jesus was. It removed all doubt about how much he loved you and I. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Listen, the resurrection proves that he loved us that much. It means that Jesus was who he was. 
He did what he promised to do, and he will continue to work on our behalf. Do you understand that the Bible and the story of Jesus' life is not a series of circumstances that just happen to line up, but everything that Jesus did, from the way he was born, to the way he lived, to the way he died, to the fact he rose again, and someday he's coming again, all of that was pre-recorded, pre-predicted, prescribed by God himself and the Word of God. Everything we hear about Jesus is not by happenstance. It was just as he said. Which lets me know whatever's going on in my life is not going to be what you say. What's going on in my life is not going to be what the government says. It's not going to be what the economy says. It's not going to be what great doctors say. It's not what, what, what other people are going to say. My life is always going to be driven and determined by what Jesus said. So this morning I want to preach to you a message about why I believe the resurrection should matter to us, how the resurrection should change us, what the resurrection means to us. I, I, have, a, I have a prayer this morning, and my prayer is that none of us will go home from this service just having experienced a church service whereby we go back to our regular, ordinary lives. And we think I've done the Easter thing. I pray that we each, myself included, have a reality of the resurrection. And that the reality would not just be something external that we read about or hear about, but it will be an internal transformation of my heart and yours this morning. Because the resurrection truly changes everything. And the first thing the resurrection changes is it changes me. It changes you. It changes us from the inside out because it proves that my sins can be forgiven just like he said. How many are glad your sins can be forgiven this morning? Listen, that's only meaningful to you if you realize that you have sins that need to be forgiven. There's a lot of people that walk around the world today, they're not aware that they have sins that need to be forgiven. In their mind, uh, sins are just, those, those belong to someone else. Those sins to be forgiven, you know, sinful people, they're just like, you know, murderers, serial killers. Sins are, you know, the sinful people, those are just like, you know, Oklahoma fans. That's, that's, those are sinners. But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't need that. No, no, no. Romans 3.10 says, there's no one righteous. None of us. We all need Jesus. We all have an equal Savior, an equal need for a Savior. I'll never forget when I was a kid one day, I'd been out playing sports, and I came home from sports practice that day, and I was in the bedroom changing clothes, and I took that shirt off. I just said out loud what I was thinking. I said, man, I stink. <laughs> and my mom, who was listening in the next bedroom over, responded. She said, Greg, when you smell yourself, other people's been smelling you for three days. <laughs> and it was at that moment I realized I might have more problems than I think I have. I mean, what if, she, what if it's true? What if I've smelt this way for three days? I don't think I had. But, but here's the thing about sin. Most of us deal with sin a lot longer than we know we have. 
We deal with the results of sin before we know why we're dealing with what we're dealing with. As a matter of fact, Romans says it like this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, before we even knew we needed a Savior, Jesus provided. He was our Savior for us. But in order for the resurrection to have the needed impact in our lives, we must first understand that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and Jesus came to be the Savior who will and forever change my life. You know, Romans 6, 23, I hate to just keep harboring on this, but I want to make sure we're getting a clear understanding because if we don't understand this, then the resurrection doesn't really make sense to us. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin is death. Now, when I hear the term wages, what I start thinking of is I start thinking like as a person who gets a job at a local business, you go and you work an hour and they say, because you've worked an hour, I'm going to give you a certain amount of money. I'm going to give you $10 for that hour, $15 for that hour, whatever it is that they're paying nowadays. If you do this work, you're going to get this reward. But can I tell you when, when it says that the wages of sin, it's actually not a wage to the benefit. It's actually a, a wage to the detriment that when we sin, all of a sudden we become indebtors to sin. The word says in Romans, uh, 623 that the wages of sin is is death just like I earned money for working an hour I earned death when I sin that's pretty serious business but when Jesus came he became that ability for us to pay off that debt that other way otherwise we could not pay you know how we understand in the, in the money world broke people can't help broke people you understand that? If you're broke, don't go ask broke people for help. You ask somebody that's got more than you do. When it comes to our salvation, when it comes to, to having our heart right with God, we can't just ask our friend, hey, would you help me with this? We need someone to fix what we can't fix. We need someone to help what we can't help. We need someone to do what we can't do. And there's never been a person on planet Earth that didn't have a sin nature, that didn't have a a sin debt on their life until Jesus came. And 1 John chapter 3 says that he appeared so that you and I can have our sins taken away. Are there any 80s kids in the room today? Hey man, I see that hand. There was a toy in the 80s, and maybe I think it actually kind of rebirthed itself in the 2000s, called an Etch-A-Sketch. Any Etch-A-Sketch people in the room? Okay, you know what I'm talking about? You had one of those, or you, yeah, okay. Those things, I mean, like, I was good if I could just spell my name on it. Like, it was, I mean, I've seen people do wonderful pictures on those things, and my pictures were never wonderful. But I did spend hours and hours trying. And the good thing is, if you messed up, all you had to do was what? Shake it. And you got a clean slate. Can I tell you what? When the resurrection occurred, the Bible says the ground shook. And just like you shake that etch-a-sketch, we all got a clean slate because the one who knew no sin became sin for you and I so we could have a clean slate before God. Can I tell you, Jesus came to forgive us of our sins. Well, pastor, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how far deep in sin I've been. Well, I know what Jesus did before the resurrection. Before the resurrection, he forgave a lady who was caught in the very act of adultery. 
Before the resurrection, he cast some demons out of a lady who was a prostitute. We read about her in the resurrection story. He forgave a man who had a withered arm. He, for, he, he forgave a tax collector named Zacchaeus, and that's just the beginning. And I'm just here to tell you, if he can save those notorious sinners before the resurrection, he can definitely save you and I today. All of our hope is in him. I'm here to tell you this morning, I want to burst someone's theological bubble. There will be no good people in heaven. The only people that get to heaven are not good people. They're forgiven people. We all need the forgiveness of God. And the resurrection provides it to us. The second reality of the resurrection is this is that Jesus is presently, right now, working in your life and in my life. Matthew 28, the angel said to Mary, he said, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. He wasn't at the tomb because he was already working. See, something happened at the death of Jesus. When Jesus died, the hope and the faith of every Jesus follower was buried with him. I wish I could tell you that for three days, the early church and Jesus' followers were having a, a watch service. I wish they were having a, a prayer meeting. I wish they were waiting with expectancy for, for the third day to come. I wish they had a, you know, a countdown clock like comes around on New Year's Eve. I wish that I could tell you on resurrection morning they were all in a church somewhere and they were saying, 10, 9, 8, 7. But actually what happened was exactly opposite of that. No one expected Jesus to come out of the grave. Mary did not go to the grave to meet her Savior. She went to anoint the dead body of her son. The whole morning was shaped by fear. Who will, rule, who will roll the stone away from us, for us? Will the guards let us even get in there? The Bible says they went to the, to the grave early in the morning. And it wasn't because they were in a hurry or, or out of priority. The reason they went so early in the morning is because they were hoping they could get in and get out and no one would see them. A lot less traffic early in the morning. And they did all of this. All this fear was based on this misinformation. How many believe we live in a world of misinformation? Right? I mean, you watch the news, or I watch the news. And I listen to a talking head talk, and then I wonder, was that really true? Like, it, it, it's, 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 it's a strange day. They were living in strange days. And their hope was gone, their faith was gone, and fear was ruling because they had believed one false piece of news. And the false piece of news they believed was this. Jesus is not working. Jesus is dead. Jesus is gone. But you know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 5, he said this statement, that my Father is always working and so am I. Colossians chapter 2, when 
when Mary and basically the whole early church thought Jesus was missing, Colossians chapter 2 reminds us that in that moment, in those three days, where everyone thought Jesus was dead and gone, he was actually disarming the powers and the authorities and making a public spectacle of every enemy to the kingdom of God. Friends, even when you don't see Jesus working, he's always working on your behalf. I'm pretty convinced that Jesus is usually working in 10,000 ways I never see. In moments when I say, God, I don't see you. God, I don't feel you. And maybe you walked in the door this morning and this is Easter Sunday. This is Resurrection Sunday. This is the Super Bowl or the prom, whatever you call it, of the Christian church. Either way, maybe you walked in this morning and you think, God, I'm not sure if you're moving. I'm not sure if you're working. Even in those moments, I came to tell you this morning, he is still working. In ways that we often never know. I like what John Calvin said. He said, Whenever you, wherever you cast your eyes, there's no spot in the universe where you cannot discern at least some spark of God's glory. What was he saying? He's saying God's always working. I love what C.S. Lewis says. We may ignore, but we can never evade the presence of God. Because wherever you are, he's working. Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus gives us the great commission, he tells us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He, he, he finishes that scripture up by saying, remember, I'm with you always. In other words, anywhere you are living, Jesus is working. Anywhere you are fighting for the kingdom of God, Jesus is already ahead of you, fighting ahead of you, behind you, and with you. There's no devil on, face of plan, on, the, on planet earth that you'll ever face alone. He's working. Just because the tomb says he's gone or he's absent. Remember, he's working. Third this morning, this may seem a little bit of a strange statement to you today, but I'll explain it to you. The enemy fears your life will be just like he said, or just as he said. Would you say this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I want my life to be just as you said. Did you know that prayer scares the mess out of the devil? I want you to listen to verse 62 of Matthew 27. We're going to read about three or four verses here. It says, The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, speaking of Jesus, after, he said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, the disciples may come and steal the body and tell people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Do you realize that even though the Christian church wasn't really expecting Jesus to rise from the dead, that the enemies to the Christian church realize if Jesus rises on the third day, if his body goes missing, if he's not in the ground, then we're going to have something to deal with that we don't know how to deal with. They, I believe that the enemies of Jesus were more concerned about the resurrection than the followers of Jesus had faith in. They realized it would devastate their world. If Jesus rose from the, get, from the dead, 
You ever feel like there's a force fighting against your life? Can I explain it to you this morning? The enemy is fearful of what will happen to you. The enemy is fearful of what will happen through you. If you would dare to say that prayer, Jesus, let my life be like you said. See, when Jesus rose from the, de- from the dead, the greatest fear of the enemy came to pass that day. Pastor, what's the greatest fear? Well, here's one of the greatest fears. The enemy realized if I can't keep Jesus in the grave, then there's no way I can keep myself out of the pit he's prepared for me. But also, the enemy had to realize this, that, that on the day of Pentecost, when there was 120 people in a prayer meeting, and you fast forward to 2023, and today there are millions, from 120, there are millions of people gathered in churches just like this, fields around the world, and in open places and in houses of worship, some in private, some under persecution. There are millions of people worshiping Jesus today because he rose up out of the tomb, but he also resurrected their life. And just as Jesus changed the history of the, of, of the people of planet Earth, he can also change the history of your life, your family, if you would simply say, Jesus, let my life be what you said. Let my life have what you promised. Let my life partake of your salvation, your forgiveness, forgiveness, your healing, it will change everything. Well, pastor, why would, why would my life ever be a threat to the enemy? I'm so thankful you asked me because Romans 8 says that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. The resurrection power of Jesus was not a one-hit wonder. It wasn't an occasion that happened 2,000 years ago and just came and left. But when the resurrection power of Jesus came, it came and it stayed and it grew through people like you and people like me. Whosoever called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but they also should be endued with a power that's beyond their own power. It's the power of Jesus. So your life does not have to be like others say, like you say, like circumstances say. Your life can be like Jesus said. And I don't know about you, I want my life to be like Jesus said. I look around this room this morning, and I've gotten the privilege to know many of you. Some of you I've known for a year. Some of you I've known for five or six years now. And when I look around this room this morning, do you not see in some of these seats today? Some of you are nightmares for the devil. Because he thought he had you defeated. He thought there was no way you could come out of the grave of addiction. But God brought you out. Some of you this morning, your family was in the grave headed to divorce and destruction, but you turned to Jesus and he brought you out. There's others of you in this, this morning that, that I've talked with you and you've been in emotional difficulty where you thought you're going to lose your mind, but God brought his resurrection power and brought you out. What you thought was a nightmare in your life became a nightmare in the life of the devil because now you are a living testimony of the goodness of Jesus Christ and you're not just changing your life, you're changing every life that sees you. I'm praying, God, would you make us a church full of nightmares to the devil because we've grabbed a hold of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Last this morning, 
My future is secure, just like he said. Jesus said these parting words to the disciples. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me and my Father's house. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you so. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And that where I'm going, I can come back and take you to with me to be there also. Here again, we find some pretty outlandish words about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is saying not only is there... Am I going to rise again after the third day? He's saying that all of us can have life after this life. He was telling us that our future does not have to be a quandary. It does not have to be in question. It does not have to, it does not have to be the, uh, something we wonder about. That we, you and I, can have a secure future. When Jesus walked out of the grave, he was saying, listen, I don't just have your past in my life. I, I don't have just your, your present in my hands, but also have your future in your hands. And it's not just future on planet Earth. It's future in this life and beyond this life. And I don't know about you, but... But that brings a lot of hope to me because there's times when, when, when 2022 was it was a bad year for me. Some of you, like me, you've, you've lost some people since Easter of 22. You've lost some things since 2022. But as people of the resurrection, anyone and anything we've entrusted to Jesus is never lost. The resurrection proves that whatever I've entrusted in his hands is still in, ha- in his hands. Anything I've entrusted to him is still good. It's intact. And I have hope beyond this life. There has to be a lot of people that wondered, is everything Jesus said True. There may be a skeptic in the room today that's wondering. Maybe you've read books, you've read articles that you know that said you know the, the early disciples they didn't really see Jesus. It was just a shadow on the wall inside. It was the way the light looked through the haze. It was. It was just a momentary sighting by a few devoted followers, just once upon a time. But you know. In reality, Jesus was seen by 500 different people at different times. There's actually more evidence that Jesus lived, died, and rose again than there are many of the heroes your history teachers paint you in your school books, in your history books. And every person who saw Jesus alive was seeing the evidence that anything we entrust to him is never lost. Pastor, this seems far-fetched. This seems impossible. This seems improbable. This, this is hard to believe. It's hard to believe that Jesus can forgive me. It's hard to believe that Jesus can redeem me. It's hard to believe that Jesus can use me. It's hard to believe that my future can be secure. It almost seems impossible. Can I tell you, it seemed that way before. But Jesus walked out of the grave just like he said. And you can walk out of your grave, whether it's sin, sickness, circumstance, whatever it is. This can be your resurrection morning 
as well. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Megan's coming. I came with three messages. I want to repeat them to you again to make sure you get them. Number one, your sin can be forgiven. No matter how long you've carried it, no matter, no matter how long you've excused it, no matter how much you've tried to justify it, listen, there is better, there is something better than justifying your sin. And here's what's better, to have it removed. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God wants to remove your sin from you. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I've been hurt by people. I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by people that call themselves Christians. Listen, how about instead of just justifying why you're carrying your hurt, why not let Jesus heal it this morning and give you a brand new fresh start? I don't know of any better way than honor the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus by someone today saying, today's my day. I'm going to live for myself no longer. I'm not going to try to do things my way any longer. Your way has not worked. It's the most honest thing many of us could say when we evaluate our lives. But this morning, you just sense the Spirit of God. Maybe you can't explain it. You just know that there is something drawing you to get your life right with Jesus. And maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus, or maybe you did years ago. And and to be honest, you've just lived a dormant life. Your relationship with Jesus has been non-existent for a while, but today you, you know you need to get that right. You need to change that. I promise not to call you forward and embarrass you, but I would love to include you in a prayer in just a moment. If that's you, would you just lift a hand real quick? That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. Amen. Who else today? Amen. Several across the floor in the balcony this morning. Amen. Amen. Probably about a dozen hands across this building this morning. So church, I want to ask you to join me by standing. Let's all stand together and we're going to say a prayer this morning. If you're new to our church, I want to explain something to you. Those that are part of our church have heard me say this hundreds of times. Repeating a prayer never changed anything. But saying a prayer from your heart can change everything. So in just a moment, as a church body, we're going to say a prayer together. And I want to ask you to say this prayer from the depths of your heart and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your leader this morning, as your Savior. And church, I want to ask you to pray this loud enough with me that the people around you can hear it. Because this is a, this is a pivotal moment in a lot of people's lives. And when we're done with this prayer, I've got one more challenge for us as the church. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thanks for coming to earth for me. Living a perfect life for me. Dying a sacrificial death for me. And then you rose on the third day for me. So that I, who am lost in my sins, can be made right with God. Lord, do that work in me right now. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. From this no moment forward, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm passing from death to life. I'm passing from sinner to saint because of what Jesus did and what he's doing for me in this moment. I accept the fact that I am now a child of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray this prayer and I believe it. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap with those who are coming to the Lord this morning? We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord.
Now listen, if you said that prayer, there's two things you need to do. Number one, you need to follow the Lord in water baptism. Number two, you need to find a church home that preaches Jesus and the Bible. We'd love for that to be right here at this assembly, but if not, we'd also just be just as happy to tell you other Bible-believing churches in our community because we know that God has a place for you to be planted in the house of God. And we'd love to be on that journey with you. Church, secondly, when Jesus came out of the grave, the enemy's worst nightmare came true. I'm just praying, Lord, would you let the people of the assembly be the worst modern day nightmare the devil has ever seen because we welcome the resurrection power of Jesus in our life. Pastor, how can, how can that happen? When we simply pray, God, not my will, but your will. Not my way, but your way. God, don't let my life be like I say. Don't let my life be like other people say. Let my life be like you say. Would you take that prayer and make it your own? Lift up your hearts to the Lord right now. Father, we commit our lives to you. Lord, we know apart from you, we can do absolutely nothing. Apart from you, we are absolutely nothing. But with you, we are child. We are, we are children of the King. With you, we are sons and daughters of God. With you, we are people of hope. We are people of healing. We are people of deliverance. We are people that have a secure present and a secure future. So I pray as we walk out these doors this morning, I pray we will walk out with resurrection power. I pray the people of God will continue to be the worst nightmare the enemies of darkness have ever had because we're walking in the freedom of Jesus and who the sun sets free is absolutely free. So I proclaim the total freedom, the resurrection power of Jesus over this body, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, if you receive that prayer in the word of God today, would you give him a hand clap for his word today? We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, God bless you. If you are a first-time guest, I'd love to meet you and greet you. Put a gift in your hands. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you're a first-time guest, if you don't have a church home, consider yourself invited. We'd love to have you on a weekly basis. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Resurrection Sunday. God bless you. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.